0: everybody ready let's get rolling
1: This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
2: Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. We greatly appreciate it. We're going to talk to our friend Keith Smith of Yahoo Sports and Real GM coming up here momentarily. Keith uh, lives down there in Orlando, Gordon, so we'll get his thoughts on uh, this uh, adventure that basically began yesterday.
3: Yeah, it's uh, he's he's about as well informed as anyone we've talked with.
2: Yeah, he's been great, so we're we're really looking forward to uh, to talking to him. And you know, Gordon, we're we're seeing how this is affecting some other teams. Like uh, we had Dennis Lindsay on uh, early in the show, in the two o'clock hour, he told us they haven't had one positive coronavirus test since they uh, began testing. Well, that hasn't been the case with other teams. You know, Brooklyn is going to be sending a. You know, a skeleton crew of a team down there, and yeah. some other teams like the Wizards have been affected as, as well. So uh, let's get out to the zone phone. Uh, the Sprint special guest line, of course. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Rights writes for Yahoo Sports as well as Real, G, Real GM. He's our friend Keith Smith. Hi, Keith. How are you? I'm
0: doing well. Thank you for having me back.
2: Hey, we, uh, we certainly appreciate it, and we'll dive into the bubble and the NBA stuff, but you live in Orlando, and of course, Florida, grabbing a lot of headlines with their situation with the coronavirus right now. Kind of set the stage for us. What's going on in your community that the NBA is coming down to?
0: Sure. Not only do I live in the area, I live about a mile and a half from Walt Disney World property, so I am uh, right in the middle of it here in Orange County. Um, it it People over the last couple of weeks have started to take things far more serious again. Our mayor put us back under uh, mask orders when we're out and about, so that has been, seemingly helped. Um, after the first few days when people were grumbling about that, uh, I, you know, I've been out to the grocery stores and the like. I, today, this morning, I went and did groceries, and I didn't see a single person in the store without a mask on. And people seem to be taking things a lot more serious now, and um, you know, hopefully that will start to turn things in a positive direction.
3: You know, one of the most interesting aspects to this whole NBA bubble situation is obviously everyone's getting tested before they go in. Once they're in, if guys then are 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 being infected somehow, how is that going to happen? Is it are they going to be sneaking people in there? Is that is that going to be a prevalent problem? What do you what do you think about that?
0: See, I don't think there's going to be any sneaking anybody in. I think Disney and NBA security are going to do a really good job of making sure that that's not happening. But the reality is that Disney cast members, that's Disney lingo for employee, are going to be coming and going. They are not being confined um, on property during the course of this event, so they'll be coming in, doing their work, and leaving. Now, their contact with the NBA players should be extremely minimal, you know, maybe even most cases, all the way down to zero. The housekeeping staff will only go in rooms once a week to do a full clean. And that's only going to happen when uh, the NBA personnel is out of there for um, a long period of time, like a game or a practice, and they're going to be gone for a few hours. Um, the, the rest of the staff, the food service, they're dropping food off at the doors right now. And anytime they room service, the NBA personnel have been asked to wait 30 seconds to a minute before opening the door and collecting their food. And then when they're done, they put it back out, and then somebody will come and pick up that tray later. And then uh, when it's the team dining, um, what will happen is they're going to bring the food, uh, convention style, all plate it up, and then it's going to be placed in the dining room and then the players will pick it up from there. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of contact, but that still does exist because they are still coming and going. So if anything's going to get in, that's probably unfortunately going to be the way it happens.
2: Does it concern you at all about FC Dallas for Major League Soccer? They're trying to do something similar, not the same, mind you, but something similar, and they had, uh, what was it, 10 positive uh, case tests after they had gone into the bubble. Should that should that raise the eyebrows maybe of the NBA?
0: It, it, uh, it definitely should be something that's being monitored and watched, but it doesn't concern me because it, from all accounts um, that I've been reading about the reporting on that situation, sounds like the FC Dallas uh, – Uh, personnel, players, coaches, everybody involved, weren't necessarily uh, taking the protocols as serious as they should have been in that they were not um, uh, doing things that they should have been even up to their arrival period. So it was uh, MLS was very clear that they were withdrawn from the tournament, but they they did not withdraw themselves, that they were withdrawn. So I think that was more a case of maybe not doing things the way they should have been, and that is you know something that is clearly the NBA you know is going to have to watch and make sure because that can't be allowed to fly if this is going to be successful.
3: Obviously, we have a sample of which teams were physically superior earlier in the season. Now they come together in these really extraordinary circumstances and environment there. Will it make a difference? Do you think that the mental side of handling everything that's going on around them will have any effect on how the teams perform on the court?
0: Yeah, I think there's going to be some impact. Brad Stevens from the Celtics talked about it and said the teams that can find joy in this process and stay together and have a lot of grit are going to be the ones that go deep into it. And I think, think he's you know, spot on with that. I think uh, from a physical component, some of the teams that were banged up and, and worn down, Houston Rockets, for example, playing you know, a very small lineup and then a very short rotation, I think the chance for them to get off their feet and rest up and heal up is going to be helpful uh, for a team like them. But, yeah, I, think, I tend to you know more believe in the end the very best teams would win if we went and played games on the boom. So I don't know necessarily where these teams are being played is gonna to have too much of a factor, but I do think the teams that stay together and are really, you know, kind of more tough minded, you know, will tend to fare a little bit better in this environment.
2: Keith Smith is with us, 97.5 and 12 in the zone. Keith, as you know, uh, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell's relationship has become a bit of national news as of late, certainly during this pandemic. Uh, give us your thoughts now that they've both had a chance to comment on it. We, we, I'm not sure if you saw the ESPN story by Tim McMahon yesterday, but cast a little more light on it. What do you think about what's going on between those two guys? I did,
0: and I thought you know Tim did a wonderful job with his writing and reporting there whether or not you you don't necessarily love the content. I thought his uh, process was was quite well done. Um, I I think it's one of the things, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit um, from some of the things that came out of it, is they don't need to be best friends to – be successful partners on the court and to help the jazz be the best team that they can be. That's just, we we like to believe that these guys all love each other and hang out and do all sorts of things. But as long as they're not actively fighting, then I don't think it's a problem. With that said, NBA history tells me once we start having problems like this, we tend to see somebody end up moving on at one point or another. And that, you know, would be really unfortunate uh, for the jazz because those are really two, um, you know, long-term building blocks that they can continue to build the rest of the roster around. And when you have two guys that are that good at what they do, it makes the rest of the roster building that much easier. So hopefully it's something they can move past and, uh, you know, continue to be successful partners on court, even if they aren't the best of friends off the court. Well,
3: how would you handle that if you were running the Jazz? Is that something that the entire team should get involved in, or should it be minimized? or What do you think is the best approach?
0: I think initially you have to get the team involved just so everybody understands where things are kind of coming from here, and I think that's where veteran leaders like Joe Engels are you know, really can be helpful in that kind of um, case there, because it, this isn't necessarily something I think you need to hear from the coaches or from anybody in the front office, because we know a lot of times in the locker rooms that the players need to, why so there's players-only meetings and the like, they, they want to hear it from each other, and I think, you know, some of the veteran guys are able to say, you know, hey, we might have our issues, but our goal is to win a championship, let's put this behind us. I think you lean on those guys and try to do that, because I think it would be very disingenuous to just saying, hey, we're not going to talk about this. We're just going to play ball and pretend like it's not a thing when it very clearly is a very real thing. And none of the parties involved even are denying that it's a thing either. So I I think think it is important to recognize it, but then make sure everybody knows, hey, but we still have a shared goal that we're going to push forward with.
2: Keith, I've I've heard the take from a few people uh, that uh, with no home court advantage, we're going to see more one-sided playoff series, especially there in the first round. Would you agree with that logic?
0: Uh, I think we have that chance. I think if a team gets down 2-0, it, it, they don't have the well, at least we're headed back home to rely on. I think that's tough. If, if they get down to Rio, I think it starts to be, hey, one more day here, maybe it's time to go home to the family, and so it's kind of thing. So I don't know that you're going to see teams really, uh, you know, have that back against the wall mentality and fight through that. But I tend to think, you know, the no home court advantage. Could also, you know, give us a little more balance in these things. Some of these arenas, Utah is a perfect example. One of the tougher places to go in and play in the NBA. Very passionate fans. The altitude factor. So I think, you know, taking out some of those types of things, um, you know, for the Bucks, the Lakers, the Raptors, um, some of the top teams. I think it's going to be, you know, maybe, you know, balance things out just a little bit there and give us, you know, maybe even more competitive series. But I think if a team gets down, I think they're willing to fight like their way back in a series could be less than what
3: we're used to. And what you just said is sort of a combination of uh, your answers to my earlier question. And I find that the reason I love the NBA and the NBA playoffs is the competitiveness that comes in, that, that back against the wall, really dig in and work hard to show what you have and show your character and whatnot. And I agree with you 100%. I, I think that's something to keep a real eye on, Keith. Uh, and, and, and it makes it even more important for a team to get the early advantage in those playoff series.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think if you can jump out on a team and, and get them down, you know, a couple games, that's a huge advantage. It's already a big advantage in you know a normal environment. I think this one's going to be even bigger. My, my mm-hmm. most favorite thing, which I hope will still carry over in the playoffs, is I love game one to game two, game two to game three. When you get the adjustment from the first game and then you get the adjustments to those adjustments in that that third game. I love that kind of chess match between the coaches and the players figuring out on the fly of oh, they're doing something different here and and how they manage that. And I hope that still shines through. As far as the competitiveness factor, I think we we know with NBA players, you can put them in an empty gym playing pickup and they go at each other and go at each other really hard. We all see those videos. We all heard those stories. So we know what it's like. So I think that's going to be there, but I do think you know, to that point, just emphasize again, if a team gets down in the series, you really start to question, especially if you've been away from your family for a month or more, it starts to get to be, all right, how much longer do I want to extend my stay here if there's not going to be a real payoff in the end?
2: Our friend Keith Smith from Yahoo Sports as well as Real GM right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Keith, is this going to be a, a three-horse race with the Lakers, Clippers, and Bucks, or is there another team you think has a legitimate shot?
0: I would put Toronto, Boston, and Houston in that mix, too. I think it would not surprise me if any of those six teams came out. I do have the Bucks, Clippers, and Lakers as maybe a higher level tier, but none of those other teams would surprise me if they came together and were able to pull off going upset and then maybe get themselves in the finals. I think that they're all built to win. I think they're built to win now. Uh, I think they've got um, good depth and good versatility, and I think that's going to be really important in this really condensed uh, kind of run-up to the playoffs and then uh, through the playoffs where really it turns into every other day you're playing games. So I I think any one of those 16 would not surprise me if one of them came away as a champion in the end.
3: Usually we talk about talent winning out, but I wonder if if the teams that are in better shape, a physical shape, will will have a greater advantage than they normally do during a typical NBA environment.
0: Yeah, I think there's definitely potential for that. Now, all reports from all around the league are, guys did a pretty good job of staying in shape, and most guys said, it's basketball shape, basketball rhythm. That's what i got to get back into here uh-huh. over the next couple of weeks. But we know now that everybody's together, and over the next few days we're going to get those first full squad workouts Somebody's going to leak out there about the guy who had a few too many cheeseburgers while in quarantine and, you know, is maybe looking a little bit more like I do with a, you know, doughy middle midsection and not, not, uh, not quite, you know, NBA ready. So we're going to start hearing those things, but I, I do think those teams that are ready to go. It's funny. I talked to a coach who said, I think young teams, because they're going to come in and, you know, they can get right out of the game and going. They're going to be good. Then I had another coach tell me almost immediately after that, in the same day, say, I'm worried about the young teams because those are the guys who rely on the crowd to lift them a lot more. So I don't know if those teams are going to do quite so well in this environment. So I, I think, you know, it really is coming into, we just don't really know what to expect.
2: Keith, is there a storyline that may be a little under the radar that is catching your eye going into this thing?
0: Yeah, I, um, I, I think the Clippers. Um, despite the fact that they're good and a lot of people, including myself, have them as a final team, somehow we're going a little bit under the radar here. But the part that's really interesting to me is this is a group that was what should be their main playoff rotation. I don't believe it's placed like any games together uh, this year because of the aggressive load management for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George throughout the season, and then injuries, and then the acquisitions late in the year of Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson. They they just haven't really had that group together very much, so I'm very curious to see how they can come together. I think in a lot of ways these eight games, though, they're not going to push themselves overly hard because they'll go against everything that they did. Those eight games are going to be really important for them to build chemistry with those key lineups, figure out who should be in their closing groups, and figure out their best way to play against the best team. So I am very curious to see how they come together.
3: You know, Keith, I wonder, you being a veteran of that area uh, area for a while now, uh, can you answer Jake uh, Jake's and my question about why a hot dog at Disney World costs $22.50? <laughs> I
0: mean, I don't know that that's what it costs, but it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they're pretty good hot dogs. But, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's the same theory as when you go to a ball game. You know, you, you pay premium prices for all sorts of stuff here. And it's, uh, you know, what I, what I always tell people, if you're going on a Walt Disney World vacation and you have the ability, get the dining plan because you can utilize that to your maximum extent of enjoyment. But I, I would hold off on those vacations for maybe a little bit, um, even though everything's open and back up. Let's, well, let's, let, let everybody figure that out. Let's get past some of the stuff that's going on in the world.
2: Well, Keith, we love it when you have a chance to drop by the show. Thank you very much, and uh, stay safe down there, and let's all look forward to some basketball.
0: I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Y'all stay safe. You and yours.
3: Back at you, Keith. Thanks.
2: Our friend Keith Smith from Yahoo Sports as well as Real GM.
3: Jake, what do you think the interest level is going to be in this? On the one hand, you would think people would be really hungry for sports, really hungry for NBA basketball eager to see uh, where the teams are now and what they look like and what their chances might be for advancement. On the other hand, is everyone so numb now that they they just don't care as much?
2: I think, my personal opinion, I think interest is going to be through the roof. Yeah. Yep. I think it's going to be really high. I think basketball fans are ready to watch some basketball. And I think uh, a lot of us who uh, enjoy uh, office reruns – on Netflix, might be getting a, a little tired and looking for something else to uh, divert our attention.
3: I'm like on movie 128.
2: Yeah, I right. Think. And and I'm sure you you fall asleep a little easier now than you did around movie or during the movie during uh, movie 15. You know what I mean? Like I think we're all uh, a little a little basketball. I think would do us some good. So I I do. I think I think the care factor is going to be really high.
3: Last night was. Uh... A Beautiful Mind. I was surprised and, you picked uh, that one, didn't you? I did not pick that one. I've seen that movie five or six times, so I did not pick that movie. But I will say that Russell Crowe, I, I really enjoy him as an actor, and Jennifer Connolly may be one of the more talented female actors or actresses, whatever you want to call them these days, uh, that I've ever seen. Just absolutely beautiful, beautiful acting.
2: Okay, we we know your celebrity crush. Uh, is Russell Crowe? Uh, he's he's a little more hit and miss uh, for me. Like he's is he? there's there's some some movies I think he's really good in, and then uh, not so much. Like I I watched uh, his reboot of Robin Hood, which came out a while ago. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who don't remember, that's yeah, right. It was, it was it was really bad.
1: He's
3: had what, two why, good why, movies. Why, why was it bad?
1: You name it, yeah, right. The I acting, mean, the writing, the story, directing, the, the story, of the itself. Thing. Yes, yeah, it was all bad, and
3: it, it was
2: like a Tony Scott. The movie costumes. Too, who yes. I like, Tony Scott, and it, and it still was really bad.
1: It's famous the for the they were leaving costumes. like uh, water, bo- like arrowhead water bottles in the scene, in the shot. You could see it. <laughs> yeah,
2: right. It, they I just mean, did
1: not care. It was it was really bad. <laughs> I I did
2: not see his uh, performance in Les Mis on purpose because I heard he just ruined the movie.
3: Yep. Oh, he was great. Stop it in Les Mis. You're yeah, the only I, I, person I, I've ever heard say I, that. I, oh, man. You guys are all missing the point, man. He wasn't supposed to have a great voice. What? He was just. Why does he have to have a great voice?
1: Because it's a musical. It's so the I most know,
3: famous musical. I, I think the fact that he didn't have a great voice was. Uh, it added to the character just fine. Well, you're the I only had no one. I no problem with that. But LA... I'm the only one, huh? Yeah, that movie didn't sell out. Didn't uh, sell very well. People didn't go to see that one. Not did to they? see him. Uh, well, I, but I'll, it I'll it tell it, you, didn't get in their way. I'll tell you this:
2: L.A. Confidential, amazing movie. He was really good in that. Gladiator. I mean, he won the Academy Award. I guess, and there yeah. was a, a a good movie. Uh,
1: a Beautiful Mind, as you mentioned, and Gladiator. That's the end of his IMDB that's worth mentioning. He
2: wasn't the best part of a beautiful mind, in my opinion.
1: But he did a great job. I liked the yeah, quirky
2: I liked the quirky friend. What? Uh what do you mean, what? Charles? Yeah. Yeah, the quirky the quirky buddy. That you was know him. who that is? Uh I've seen him in other movies. It's Jennifer Connley Sosman. Paul oh, so you're extremely jealous of Paul Benne. You you probably hated his role no, in
3: that movie. No, no, I'm not jealous at all. I, I'm uh, situated just fine, thanks.
2: Let's see. Oh, what other Russell Crowe? What's his American Gangster was pretty good, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, he wasn't there. the best performance no. in that movie though.
1: There's a movie that he's in I think you would enjoy Gordon called State of Play. Yeah, I saw he Plays it. a journalist. Oh, you saw? It. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. He's gotten a little chunkier through the years, but uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I like him. I think yeah, I think he's a fine actor.
1: Just don't sing, please.
3: And I go ahead and sing, especially if you're playing that role. I'm really surprised. He's that, the
1: same note all throughout the song. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. Just that middle you C, on that. all the way through. Because I have not.
3: Came from the heart, man. No, nope. would you expect someone like that to be a great singer?
1: Have you ever seen I, the behind the scenes of that? When they were trying to get the whole crew together to to practice the singing. And there's there's a video, and you find it on YouTube, where the director said, Russell, sit this one out, please. (laughs) (laughs) Take five. (laughs) And it was because they were shooting a little thing, a little teaser for the Oscars of the -the behind-the-scenes practices. (laughs) And the guy said, just take it easy over there, uh, Russ. uh, Less of you is more. (laughs) Go read your lines. That's so, that's
2: Dude, I really, I, a, I just, I've did never. a great job. I've only seen Les Mis once, and it's the only, the only uh, show I've ever seen on Broadway, and it was amazing. And I purposely avoided the movie because I've heard he was so bad.
1: The other performances in the movie make it worse. Well, it, Anne Hathaway, I heard she was pretty good. And Hugh Jackman's yeah. great. Well, Hugh Jackman, when it comes to musical theater, is always great. Russell Crowe. And Sasha Baron Cohen did a great job as Tenardier. Didn't I that, Co- was
3: too, uh, that was too over the top. That's that the was character. too cartoonish for me. You no, really was the movie it was serious. That the was point was of that
1: character? You're really upsetting.
3: Yeah, Austin but right yeah, now. not to that know. not to that degree. You you, might as well had Jim Carrey doing it.
1: That would have been a great choice,
2: actually. You know that you've you've called Austin fat at least twenty five hundred times, and this is the first time I think he's
1: actually been offended. Because he means this. I know what? what. Which one is most offensive to you? Your lamest take. Tenardier was over the top?
3: How dare yeah, they? Yeah, he was. It was, was too far. I mean, I, I understand the comedic value, but uh, not that far. Too far. But Russell Crowe was I love that movie, though. I thought it was fantastic. It's one of my wife's favorite movies. We really enjoy it, and uh, it was terrific all the way around. The play wasn't bad either.
2: So do you bring Lisa into this so we can't criticize the movie anymore? Is that why you did that?
1: Yep. So now we can't. I said I liked the movie, except for bag Russell
2: on Crow. Russell Crowe's performance because you bring Lisa into this. That's not fair, sir.
1: <laughs> I, I'll criticize Lisa's taste. <laughs> that is, taste there. That is That's not funny.
2: fair. That's the weakest <laughs> defense ever. Oh, you guys, I'm hold right on, because on, Lisa agrees with me.
3: Hold on, say, hey, Lisa, did you like Russell Crowe's performance in uh, in Les Mis? Yeah, you guys are wrong. Sorry. Well,
1: you can't bring Lisa into it and then say, end of argument. She's not a Caesar. Caesar. That is not fair at all. <laughs> yes,
3: she is. <laughs>
1: that is not fair
2: in the slightest. With all due respect to uh, Lisa, whom I uh, adore and respect. I She's disagree. only made one
1: mistake in yeah, her life. That marrying... This might
2: be it. Oh, two mistakes.
3: <laughs> you guys are reading it wrong, man. He's a, gr- he's a great actor, and he didn't have to have a great voice in that role. Because that role was not about having a great voice. It was about being being the right character but he is not a musical i know but that didn't matter there was enough other and the other thing i liked about that is that uh they took it on the first take man they didn't re-record it in a studio so they, they, they just not his right. they, all of it
1: not his all of it nope not his
3: his well, that's was what the what one you, that was they had to dub
1: in well, everyone whatever. else was live one take
3: it, it doesn't matter
1: But that's the point, is he sucked. All right. Stay tuned.
2: (laughs) We're going to leave this argument behind. Uh, Joining us now, our good friend from Syringa Networks. He's the one and only Gabe. Check him out at syringanetworks.net. And listen, if you're uh, frustrated with your telecom and IT provider, uh, now is the perfect time to switch. Isn't that right, Gabe?
4: That that is correct. Yeah, we have a a full range of products and services in the telecom space, from voice to internet to data solutions to security solutions that uh, certainly would fit just about every business out there whatever the requirements are we we generally we generally have something for them
2: so uh what's the best way to get started gabe for somebody listening out there and thinking yeah this could work for me is it just to log on to syringanetworks.net what's the best way to do it
4: yeah that would be the the absolute best way to do it, is go to syringanetworks.net and uh, uh look look us up that way you can find out. Uh, more information on our products, our services, uh, some white papers to give you some background and information in regards to IT services and security tips and things of that nature. Where it's a, it's a it's a great resource all on its own, uh, just uh, by itself.
2: All right, that's syringa.networks.net s y r i n g a syringa.networks.net effective communication for 21st century Utah syringa.networks.net Thanks, Gabe. Thank you, guys. All right. Well, I'm more Big Show coming up next, but right now it's time for another Back to Basketball update.
1: Ow! Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a Back to Basketball
0: update. Oh, he never looked at the net. Presented by Zions Bank
1: on ninety-seven five 1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
2: Time for a basketball, Back to Basketball update brought to you by our friends at Zions Bank. Here's Dwight Howard talking about the Lakers' chances to win it all.
1: There's a lot of things that I've had the opportunity to work on during this uh, this break. I know basketball will most likely resume, and uh, I feel like we have a great opportunity. The Lakers do for winning the title this year.
2: Other NBA news and notes going on out there. Brooklyn Nets forward uh, Torian Prince has tested positive for the coronavirus and has been ruled out of the NBA's restart in Orlando. Florida he is the fourth Nets player, including DeAndre Jordan-Spencer Dinwiddie and Wilson Chandler, who won't participate in the league's restart because of the coronavirus. Pelicans uh, coach Alvin Gentry has been cleared to travel with the team to the bubble in Orlando. Gentry is 65 and been one of the league's staff members undergoing further scrutiny before heading down to the bubble for the season restart. And that is another Back to Basketball update brought to you by our friends at Zions Bank. For a bank that understands your business, Zions Bank is for you. Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. want to remind you, we're going to be at The Warehouse on Friday, hanging out with Tom and the crew uh, from 2 to 6 in Orem, 86 East University Parkway. Prices so low, it'll blow your mind. It's The Warehouse. Gordon, want to get your thoughts on this? Stanford announced today it will discontinue 11 varsity sports programs at the end of the 2020-2021 academic year, according to an open letter from university officials. Uh, They're going to be discontinuing. uh, Stanford said the following sports will be discontinued, citing financial challenges, men's and women's fencing, field hockey, lightweight rowing. Uh, men's rowing, co-ed, and women's sailing, squash, synchronized swimming, men's volleyball, and wrestling.
3: Yeah, those are a lot of the sports that Stanford's probably good at, but uh, that, that that's not a happy day. Did they say that it would just be for a uh, a brief period of time or uh will they bring these these sports back? What's the plan?
2: I think using the word discontinued is probably a pretty good look into what their plan is.
3: Huh, that sounds pretty ominous, doesn't it?
2: <laughs> it does it does not sound good. Uh-huh. Uh no, it does it does not sound good at all. I mean um uh, I guess why I think this is is more relevant than some of the other schools, including like SUU that we've heard uh, canceling sport, uh, programs, Gordon, is one. This is 11. That's a lot. And two, this is a P5 school. This is a P5 private school.
3: Yeah, not only is it a P5 school, it's a very well-endowed right. uh, P5 school that has lots of money. And that will that uh, get the attention of everybody, I think.
2: And I, I do. I think that's what's sad about this. I mean, I, I Rondo Felberg was great with us yesterday, and he gave a, a great answer. He said, man, maybe I'm the naive one, but I always thought that we were providing opportunity and changing lives with things like scholarships and those sorts of things. And I agree with him. I still agree with him. And through that lens, seeing 11 sports go away, and I saw, well, isn't it over 200? Scholarship to athletes or something like that that are not going to get an opportunity to get a Stanford education—that's wow. really sad to me. It really yeah. is sad, and I think it shows that the, that college sports is about more than money for people who just argue it's about finances. And you know what? Well, if Stanford really thought it was about more than money, they'd put their money where their mouth is and wouldn't have done this today. Which I think that is frustrating.
3: Well, it's I, this is the tip of the iceberg. Uh, this is going to happen around the country. And I I don't know if it's a short-term deal or whether they'll build those things back up. But certainly for those athletes who are college-age right now, uh, I don't know how much it helps them to say, oh, it'll be back one day.
2: I don't think it helps them at all. And I don't think it's coming back one day.
3: Yeah, I, I don't know.
2: How many wrestling programs have come back over the last 20, 30 years?
3: Yeah, but that's been more a Title IX issue, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, but I, I guess what I'm saying is universities haven't exactly been in the habit of adding sports back into the mix.
3: I don't know. I don't know. I haven't made a study of that. Uh, but uh, I, I boy, this is uh, this is something to keep an eye on. And, and I feel bad because I've I understand. I've I've talked to a lot of athletes through the years who were in so-called minor sports uh, in college and benefited greatly from it. And uh, it it hurts to kind of think of those people losing out on those opportunities. Like you said, a Stanford education.
2: Wow. That's life changing, you know, Mm -hmm. And, and we can talk about the desperation to play college football in the fall as being greed. You can look through it, that lens if you want. But I think that desperation is to salvage these opportunities for other people. For well, other athletes. I mean, we,
3: do does Stanford know something that uh, everybody else doesn't know? I don't know because the, it hasn't been canceled yet, has it? No, I saw that the Ivy League has pushed uh, its fall sports uh, back to twenty twenty one.
2: Well, I mean, I think I think this is saying that there is a financial reality that has already set in.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: that that circumstances are already dire. I'm not trying I, – I really am, am frustrated with Stanford's actions because I think, you know, in my opinion, and I'm not looking at their books, but a private P5 school that has an endowment like that, they, they could find a way to figure it out, and it just doesn't seem like they're willing to do so. But I do think it is a sign that, you know, the financial struggles for athletic departments is already very much real regardless or without the decision on football.
3: What were the sports again, Jake?
2: Uh, let me see here. Gordon, hang on. Let's see here. Men's and women's fencing, field hockey, lightweight rowing, men's rowing, co ed and women's sailing, squash, synchronized swimming, and men's, men's volleyball and wrestling.
3: Uh, a lot of schools don't have those sports to begin with, do they? Does that matter? No. I just, I, I'm trying to think of the effect on, uh, in, in cases yet to come. I wonder how that's going to look. Man, Stanford must have sponsored a whole lot of sports. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I think a lot of the Pac-12 sponsors, you know, the whole Conference of Champions thing, where they're raking in these championships in these other sports. and. You know, maybe I'm not uh, racing to my television set to watch some of these sports, but it doesn't uh, make me have less any less sympathy for the ap- athletes that have the opportunity to play their oh, sport man. at that level. That's are, amazing.
3: Are you, those those athletes, I bet Stanford has world class athletes who are in that uh, in those sports, and yeah, they they work their tails off. Believe me, my daughters who played tennis. Uh, those uh, they're every bit the athlete of, of what you see on a football field. And they work at it big time. And they're really, really good. A lot of them are. And I imagine Stanford, with the way they go about their business in the past, I bet some of those athletes and those teams were pretty darn good. But uh, I don't know. I, I haven't peeked inside their books to see uh, if it's justified or not. But you're right. Uh, and as we talked about, they uh, – there's a whole lot of money surrounding that particular campus.
2: Well, they're not going to be putting it into those sports. Just a, a little perspective for you, Gordon. Stanford had sponsored thir- sponsored 36 varsity sports among That's a FB- lot, among FBS schools. Only Ohio State was in the 30s, so uh, they were by uh-huh. far the most. Yeah. Well, I don't think that matters though. That I mean, the 11. Programs eliminating eleven programs—that's a lot.
3: That's so. Steep. If you're if you're an if you're an administrator at a different school, and let's say you have sixteen sports or twenty sports, uh, do you do you now feel like you have license to slash away? If Stanford's doing it, I hope not. We probably should too.
2: Well, I hope not. I ho- I hope. I hope folks battle to protect opportunities for athletes, for young people. When, it's, it really I, is life-changing. I, I 100% believe that.
3: When I was reading Dennis Stodd's piece the other day, he was talking about how some not, some, you know, some schools might not just lose sports. He, he was suggesting that some schools will go out of business.
2: Hmm. Hmm. And now we're talking about opportunities for students. It's terrible. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. All right. Uh, stay tuned. Coming up next, we have the not sports report. Do you want to give us a tease, Gordon?
3: Uh, I have. I have something heroic, and I have something just darn near unbelievable. Okay. The odds of the odds of it happening are next to not.
2: David Locke joins the show at the top of the five o'clock hour. Stay tuned. Big show. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thanks for making us part of your day. Uh, It is time uh, for the Not Sports Port, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online at lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where
3: are we going today? We're going to Phoenix and then we're going to Oregon. We'll do the heroic one first. Have you seen the video of the woman with her young child who is trapped on a balcony in, a, in a, an apartment fire, apartment building fire in Phoenix. Have I That's seen the, it? Yeah. No, I have not. This is tragic and yet heroic. Uh, a mother is on the third story and uh, flames all around her and she has her child in her hands she There is a a, a man who's standing down beneath uh, where she, she is up above and and then there's a man who comes running to the scene from almost outside the picture, and she throws her child off the balcony, and this individual running full speed, catches the child and saves its life. Wow. It's pretty amazing it, it is a fellow by the name of philip blanks he uh he's a former wide receiver at saddleback college in mission viejo uh and uh, he it, they he said it was instinct there was wasn't much thinking i just reacted i just did it uh 28 year old Man, Uh, he said he's got the mindset of trying to help others when he sees a need. Uh, And then he said, I know how to catch. I've learned how to catch a football, so I'll give some credit to football. He said he was, speaking of the child, he was twirling in the air like a propeller. I just did my best. His head landed perfectly on my elbow, on his arm. His ankle got twisted up as I was diving the guy who was there with me, it looked like he wasn't going to catch him. So that's why I stepped in. I just wanted to make the catch. Pretty mm. cool. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah, the mother did pass, and that's really, really that's sad. sad. But, man, when I see somebody do something, there was nothing he could do about about the mother. But the child, well, to watch him dive in like that, man, I got nothing but respect. Anyway, and then I have this crazy story. Uh, This is, what do you think the odds are of this, guys? A man was fleeing police in Oregon, driving a stolen car. Okay? So as he was trying to get away, he, in his high speed, ran into a driver of another car, and they collided. There was a crash. The police uh, arrived and, and and sort of uh, take, took care of the situation. Come to find out that the driver of the other car had stolen that car. Mm. So two stolen cars colliding and both of the perps being apprehended. What are the odds of that?
2: I don't know, but I guess justice is done, huh?
3: Wow. Uh, One of them was a stolen Toyota Land Cruiser, and the other one was – what was the other one? It didn't identify the other car. Was it a Uh, Porsche? (laughs) No, it was not. Uh, So, anyway, I, I just had never heard of that before. Two individuals from completely different circumstances coming and colliding into each other. Turns out they're both car thieves.
2: And I think the, the one who was run into was also intoxicated, right? Yes.
3: Yes, she was. Oh, it was.
2: Bad luck for her all the way around.
3: Yes, indeed.
2: Yeah, I don't know what the odds of that are, Gordon. How many stolen uh, vehicles do you think are rolling around out there on a daily basis? I,
3: I don't know. Uh, there was a car that was once parked uh, near my house. On our street, and it was parked there, and and nobody, no, I figured everyone figured it was somebody else's car, and it sat there for a week, uh, over a week, and uh, finally somebody called uh, an authority to find out about that car because nobody was claiming it. and It turned out that it was it was stolen. It had been stolen. Hmm. And was used, I believe, in the commission of a crime.
4: What kind and of crime? Somebody
3: just parked it on the street and walked away.
2: What kind of crime? Like a bank robbery?
3: I don't know. I can't remember this. Oh, good.
2: You've got to ask about the juicy details. Come on. I don't know. You had some random abandoned car, car, over... car on your street. That's not interesting. But random abandoned car on your street that was used in a string of bank robberies. That's awesome. <laughs>
3: Well, I cannot tell a lie, so I didn't want to you embellish. You do all the anything.
2: time. You embellish constantly. I used to embellish, embellish this one, beef I, this one up a little bit. No, I, it was a modern day Bonnie and Clyde, and the car ended up on my street.
3: The fundamental part of what you just said is erroneous,
2: but interesting. I cannot,
3: I, I cannot tell a lie, George Washington and I. I Bill Puxley, tell do I have to remind that, you of that, just that, beef up this story too. Look, I've told you, I I confess that two or three of the stories were fictional, but the rest of them, all facts. Well, fictionalize Not, this nothing. one a little like bit.
1: Like when he was working on a column and Lisa was made to do the artwork. Ah,
2: I
3: see. Yes, that, that time. But I mean, I told the total truth there.
1: You weren't inside working.
3: Your well, column I, I, I had was. already been completed the day before. I know, but I was still doing other things that were related to work.
4: Oh. Mm.
2: My fault.
3: Yeah. It is
2: your fault. Like napping, like dreaming up
1: your next column.
3: <laughs> See, a writer's work is never done.
1: Like having your daughter you, it, write it, or...
3: there's always another deadline.
2: You just didn't want to load that stuff into the backyard, man.
3: Well, there may have it's been. Some okay. Truth to that. It's okay. It's <laughs> okay. I, mean, I told Lisa told me the other day. I said I said where she'd gone boating. And uh, she was going back and forth, getting some stuff out of the boat, and and uh, doing some work in, in association with that. And so I I said to her after she came in, I said, "Man, honey, you looked great out there. You know, you looked great while you were hauling stuff." around. And she said, "You mean while when I was doing all the work and you were just watching?" And I said, "I was working out. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was exercising." Uh, you're not you're there.
2: not winning husband of the year anytime soon, are you?
3: Well, first of all, I didn't go boating. Does that matter? I wasn't part of that. Huh?
2: Do you not help bring in the groceries when you don't go grocery shopping?
3: Oh, you mean I'm supposed to? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm, David, kidding. I'm Well, sort of. A David Locke's coming I up get next. My daughters out there, they should have been hauling stuff back and forth, helping out with the boat. Come on. They the well, ones that benefited from They
2: also should have been.
3: Indeed. Well,
2: <laughs> okay. All right. Joining us now, our good friend Gabe from Syringa Networks. Check him out online, syringanetworks.net. And, Gabe, I'll tell you what, I'm sure you guys are busy because it seems like what you do has never been more important.
4: Uh, that, that is correct. Uh, we've been extremely busy fielding uh, phone calls, uh, upgrading existing clients, and uh, uh, continuing to build out our infrastructure throughout, uh, throughout Utah.
2: Which is just great because, I mean, that's, that's the big appeal of Syringa, right? For Utah companies right here. You guys are here. You're wired in here. Your people are here. And it just uh, uh, jacks up the service level so much.
4: It really does. Uh, you know, the, the local touch we have plus the, uh, the, the fact that we own over 2,000 miles of fiber optic cable just in the state of Utah alone uh, really translates into some really good telecommunication services for our clients.
2: Which is absolutely great. You can get started at That's syringa networks.net. That's S Y R I N G A, syringa networks.net. It's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Gabe, thank you so much. Thank you. That's our friend Gabe. Again, syringa networks.net. David Locke joins us next 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.